Good evening. It is good to have this number out with us for our evening half of our worship service. And tonight I want to think about something that most of us use. Now back in the first century there was a little bit different tool that was used than we do today. Today is a, I don't know what the material they, they put on the back of a piece of glass to make this item that we're going to be talking about tonight and what this item produces. And I, I know I've got your minds kind of wondering, well, what's Jeremy talking about? What, what, what is he referring to about tonight? Well, this item produces a reflection. Y'all know what I'm talking about now? It's a piece of glass, has some shiny stuff. I don't know what that stuff is called that they've put on the back, but it makes a mirror, right? How many of you have a mirror in your home? If you don't have a mirror in your home, this ain't going to apply to you. So hopefully all of us have a mirror in our home. How many of you looked at your mirror today at least twice? Make sure your, your, your garments was on straight, your hair is not all out of whack, right? You look at yourself, and that is our topic for tonight. Reflections. I don't mean the person that, that looks like somebody else. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about even using ourselves as a unit of measure. When you look at yourself in a mirror, it is your reflection. When you look at a, a, a piece of a, a, a surface of water that's undisturbed, and you look in it and you can see your reflection. Back in the first century, they would, they would have used a, a dark piece of uh, rock, and that dark piece of rock would produce a reflection. It's like, wow, that's, that's a shiny rock. It would have been a very shiny rock. Today we have a wonderful tool. It's called a mirror. You even use one in your car, but you're not looking at your. Hopefully, you're not looking at yourself while you're operating your motor vehicle going down the road. You're looking at what's behind you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about looking at yourself, your own reflection. The reason why I'm pricking our minds about self-reflection, it all comes down to self examination. We spoke about this on a Wednesday night. I believe it was last Wednesday night. We covered this verse and it, it kind of spurred this sermon on. But this is a wonderful topic that we was talking about that night. I said, well, that's a, that's a lesson in and of itself. So as Paul writes to the church in, uh, in, Corinth, in Corinth, he actually writes to them the second time. Oh, I, get my, I got my bookmarks all over the place. But this time we're going to look at his first writings to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're actually going to start in the 27th verse. Now the context here is the Lord's Supper. But self-examination that he's talking about this, as we look at ourselves, doesn't stop at the Lord's Supper. Yes, it's very important to examine ourselves before we partake of the Lord's Supper. And it's very important to measure ourselves up. Because the topic we was talking about last week was worth. Am I worthy to partake of this very important part of our worship service? And I'm not putting it in any emphasis on it whatsoever. Your prayer is exceedingly important in your worship service. The lesson is exceedingly important in your worship service. What I'm getting down to is saying is, your worship service is very important. It's just five parts of it that, that, we, that we're supposed to do. Every Lord's Day. But before we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want us to prick our minds just a little bit. Whenever we turn back over to Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 21. 
Do you think Paul did any self-examination? Of course he did. When he looks at himself and sees what type of work he has done, he says it right here in verse 21 of Philippians chapter 1. He says these words, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Is that not self-examination or what? He looks at himself and his work and he considers it good in the eyes of God. He has measured up the worth and the value that he has portrayed, portrayed or portrayed in man's eyes to encourage people, to educate people how it is to get to God, how it is to be in the church, what it is to be in Christ and get the forgiveness of sins. For me to live is Christ. For me to stay, as he continues on, we're not going to cover this entire topic. That's not where our lesson comes from. But he looks at himself and he says, I'm hard-pressed. I'm hard-pressed between passing on and staying. But he says it's more needful for the church, it's more needful for you to stay and teach you. But he looks at himself. It's like you and I looking into a mirror and so, well, there's some, some correction. Say, you, the, say, I looked in the mirror this morning and my tie was definitely crooked. And of course, some of the ladies here would have straightened it when I got here. I, I, I removed that opportunity from I straightened it myself, right? You might have looked in the mirror this morning and, 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 and Mark, your beard might have been crooked, right? It wasn't. <laughs> ladies, your hair might have been out of place. You looked in the mirror and you corrected it, right? So now we think about correction. How many of us are perfect? No. Just like the first time I looked in the mirror, I says, wow, I've got to straighten that tie. I've even walked in here at night, and my collar was stood up like Elvis. It's about somebody trying to be Elvis, right? I was not. I just wasn't prepared to be presentable. That's, that's the term. It wasn't presentable. And we need to think, put that term into our minds. Presentable. Are we presentable to God? I don't mean your dress. I don't mean your clothes. I don't mean, is your hair out of place? That's not what I'm talking about. Is your spirit presentable to God? For Paul, he says, for me to live is Christ. But to die, to pass on, and the works that I have done in my previous life, the years that I have put in the service of God after his conversion, and stop persecuting the, the Christians, stop persecuting Christ, he said, for those things were pleasing to God, and for me to die is going to be gain. Because I know heaven awaits me. Can we say that about ourselves? As we go into this thought of reflections, and who do we actually look like? And was like, well, that, that's a no-brainer. When, when, when Jeremy looks into the mirror, he, he expects Jeremy looking back. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, does our reflection, do we look like Jesus Christ? Because if we don't look like Christ, we need to correct some things. When Christ says in Matthew 7, verse 23, he says, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Whenever we're not, when we're looking into the mirror and we don't look like Christ, Christ don't know us. When we do this self-examination that we're going to be talking about when it comes to the Lord's Supper, <laughs> when we don't look like Christ, we are not His. 
As John writes in 2 John verse 9, let's make sure we don't have iniquities and sin in our lives so we can abide in God and abide with Christ. To help Christ and His prayer for you and I, even in 2023, that we may be one with Christ just as Christ was one with His Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. Now again, this context is the Lord's Supper that we partake of every single Sunday. Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Excuse me. This is saying, I'm looking into the mirror. I don't look like Christ. My reflection does not reflect Christ's life. But that's okay. I can be united with Christ even though I don't look like Him. You're deceiving yourself. You have to look like Christ. You have to be living a Christ-like life. Now that's the reason why I say like. None of us are Christ. None of us are perfect. But are we trying? Are we trying our very best to be obedient to our Heavenly Father. And I seriously hope that we are. To be able to say the thing we just discussed about Paul, to die is gain, not loss. When we examine ourselves on a daily basis, yes, the context is the Lord's Supper, but we need to examine ourselves on a daily basis. We don't need to wait till Sunday. We don't need to wait till the first day of the week. Because if you sin on a Thursday and you die on a Friday, you're condemned. The Lord's Word teaches us that. For those sins and those iniquities that we're guilty of, it's going to separate us from God. It's going to condemn us. We can't live according to the world and be a, and be a friend of God. No, we are His enemy when we do so. Don't be an enemy of God. So self-examination needs to happen often. We need to look into that mirror often. To see if we actually do look like Christ. Right, then examination happens in verse 28. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. In this setting. In the context. We're going to cover the context first. It's very important. That context is. If you do not examine yourself. If you do not measure yourself up according to God's word. Find yourself unworthy and you partake of it anyway you are eating in an unworthy manner and you're drinking of an unworthy manner and you're just like verse 27 says you're guilty of the body and the blood of jesus christ examination needs to happen before that part of a worship service before the partaking of the lord's supper when that bread comes by and you have sin in your heart and it has not been dealt with. You have not been forgiven of it. Let it pass. Deal with that sin first. And then come back to it. It's got to be forgiven. Same goes with the cup. So now we're a little bit out of context. It's the same meaning. Not just at the Lord's Supper, but on a Monday. 
on a Tuesday. How often does self-examination need to happen? I'd say an hourly basis. I would say less than that. A minute basis. What just went through your mind? Jerry don't know what he's talking about. Did that ever cross your mind? Well, I hope not, because I hope, hope, hope it's the truth. I know it's the truth. And yes, correction needs to happen on my part sometimes, and y'all here at Booth Chapel are very adamant about correcting me, and I appreciate those things when I get things wrong. I appreciate those. But when those sinful thoughts enter into our mind, well, sin and iniquity enters in. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, we're very well aware of that setting, right? God gives Adam and Eve a command, tells them to do not eat of that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? He tells them to do not do that. They very well know that they're not supposed to do it. Satan tempts them, and they partake of it, and they sin. They disobey God. How quickly are they cast out of the Garden of Eden that day? That day. That instant when they partook of that, they died spiritually. They died. They hid them, Kimmy. They hid themselves from God. Well, we're naked. Why were they naked in the first place? Because they had left God. Yes, they fashioned themselves clothes, but what did they do? They still hid themselves. Don't you know? If they could take it back, they would. Look at that within ourselves. You ever done something in your life that you wish you could take it back? Well, I have. I've done some things I wish I could take back. But there is a take back option for us, folks. When we're guilty of sin, when this self-examination happens and we find ourselves unworthy to be a child of God. Repentance can happen. And you can get forgiveness of the sins that you have done. Once we correct that sin, once we repent of it, and we ask God, excuse me, confess that sin, and then we ask God through prayer to forgive us of that sin, He is faithful and just to do so. We find those instructions in 1 John chapter 1. But here it is pre-forgiveness. Examination. We look at ourselves in that mirror and behold, who do we look like? Do we look like Satan or do we look like Jesus Christ? Because there's either one or the other. We can say that we love Christ all day long. I know there are folks who out there in the world who are some very ungodly people by their actions. And they still say that they love Jesus Christ. They say those words out of their mouth. Yes, they are lying. I know that very well by their actions and their voice. I know this. This morning's lesson was thankfulness. When I said that Christ told God, no, excuse me, he didn't tell God he thanked him. He showed him that he thanked him by faithful observance to his commands. So when we have this looking in the mirror, I want to think about something. When you look into the mirror, when you're all by yourself, 
Who else is standing in that mirror? Yourself. There's some beings in there that you can't see. Physically, you can't see. Because they're invisible. That's God and Satan. They're right there looking at you too. I want to encourage something. The very same thing that Christ encourages through his act that he did as he was tempted of the devil. At the end of those three temptations, what did Jesus say to the devil? Get behind me. In other words, get out of here. I want nothing to do with you. James encourages us to draw near to God in James 5. Draw near to God and oh, Satan, he'll flee from you. Because he knows he's going to be defeated. So when we examine ourselves, we look into that mirror and we don't see Christ standing before us. That is what type of person we are. Some change needs to happen. Folks, we have an opportunity to change right now. We have an opportunity to get things right in our life right now. Again, tomorrow's not promised. We hope that it's there. We're preparing for it to be there, but it very well may not be there. You know that just as much as I do. There are some folks who have passed on from this earth who were expecting to be alive the next day. And they were not. An opportunity of repentance has come and gone for those individuals. Today, we can look at ourselves, and if correction needs to happen, it can be corrected. And in verse 29, again, back to the context of the Lord's Supper. For he who eats and drinks in unworthy manner, that is, to eat and partake of this Lord's Supper with sin in their hearts in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That is to notice it's different. To notice that the body of the Lord is different than the body of the world. And it is. That's trying to combine the two and they won't mix. Speaking of not mixing, keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians as we turn back to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Hopefully we know this, starting to know this verse by heart because I use it here often. So what does it actually say? I'm going to let you turn there first. I see some heads nodding. I said, I know exactly what Romans 8, verse 1 says. Just because you're baptized for the remission of sins does not automatically mean that looking into this mirror that you're going to see Christ looking back at you. But there's some choices that we got to make. There's some decisions that we got to make in our everyday walks of life to be obedient to God. Romans 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'll say it every time. It'd be nice if it stopped there. Just those who are in Christ Jesus, when there's no condemnation awaiting you, there's some folks who stop there, unfortunately. But the verse carries on, does it not? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you can't be both. You can't be of the spirit and you can't be of the world at the same time. They're contrary to one another as the scriptures continue to teach us. It's like oil and water. It won't never mix. 
Either you're going to be a friend of the world or a friend of God, and I'd much rather you be a friend of God tonight. Because a friend of the world puts themselves in enmity with God. And you cannot be pleasing to God when you're wearing iniquity. So we think very long and hard about Jesus Christ looking back at us in this reflection that we're talking about tonight. As we measure ourselves up, who are we walking as of the flesh or of the spirit? And then verse 30 says this, For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. This is spiritually speaking, by the way. Again, those who sleep, oh, they were once children of God. They have once tasted the good graces of God, which is another lesson in and of itself in Hebrews 10, verse 26. Those who have tasted the good graces of God and walked away. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That's another lesson in and of itself. A lesson in a lesson, rather. Are we asleep at the wheel? That's a question we need to ask ourselves when we're looking at ourselves. Have I fallen asleep? How many of us are falling asleep driving? I do it often, unfortunately. Long trips. You're already weary from your, from your lack of slumber. And you take off driving. Driving to work, right? Or even driving home. And you just get so tired, but you still got to make it there, right? And you start to fall asleep. And you wake up and say, whoa, what am I doing? This is super dangerous. It is dangerous. We can't fall asleep at the wheel, spiritually speaking. We need to look into that mirror and see Christ looking back at us. So here we go. <clears throat> Verse 31. For if... We would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Take this into heart. Now, this is not saying that you're going to escape the encounter with God because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Christ is Lord and, and God is the Father. Everybody is going to have their encounter with God. What this is saying is if we judge ourselves today, if we're looking in that mirror and something's out of whack, says, okay, we need to correct that, and you work on correcting it. I have my sins just as much as you do. I'm working on them just as much as you are. We're dealing with them. Now, we're not saying this, hopefully. Well, he's going to forgive me anyway. There's some folks out there who think that way. He'll forgive me on that day. God's just going to forgive me. Uh, the scriptures tell us, no, he will not. If we're guilty of our sins on judgment day, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, is what you should expect to hear. So here we see a, a, an examination today. So we're judging ourselves according to God's word, and we can correct those things today. We can get right in the eyes of God while it is today. So therefore, don't, do not let the sun set on your wrath to God. For tomorrow, again, is not promised. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That is to say, when I find myself lacking in any area, and I begin to work on it, and I get it perfected to the best of my ability, that is church attendance, right? That's the one that's worldwide, as far as I know, is an issue. Folks can't see the importance of of Wednesday night. They can't see the importance of a, of a Sunday night. We're feeding our spirit. 
We're gathering with the saints. We're recharging our batteries, spiritually speaking. But then I find myself looking in this reflection and I say, you know what? You're missing too much, Jeremy. So I need to, I need to correct that and I need to start getting in church more often and I start working on it. See, the, the attendance goes back up and I start becoming focused on my spirituality. I've judged myself and I have corrected this, uh, this lacking. Now guess how much more relieved I'm going to be on Judgment Day when God says, you worked on that. Good job. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you a master over many. Now that's not saying that there are many other things that we need to be dealing with. Because we have sins we're dealing with. Plural sins we're dealing with. So it wouldn't be much better to work on our sins now than have them corrected on Judgment Day. Because if they're corrected on Judgment Day, that's going to be terrifying. To begin our eternity in pain and suffering. The scriptures refer to it as a lake of fire. Places designed for Satan himself. The orchestrator of death. Because what happened to Adam and Eve, if we're referring back to them, what happened to them whenever uh, God gave them the warning of eating the fruit of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He told them what? On the day you partake of that, you shall surely die. But then the serpent added one little word, didn't he? He added an N-O-T. What result of a three-letter word we can see unto this day? Not had some major consequences, didn't it? He said, surely you shall not die. Well, you know you're right. That does look pretty good to eat. And they both partook of it. And they was cast out. And this world has never been the same ever since. So think today when we find ourselves lacking, when, when correction needs to happen, let's fix it today while it's still today so we don't have to hear those horrible words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. In verse 32, but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. Now we may not be condemned with the world. Now that says a lot, verse 32. I don't know if you caught the, the, the level of love in verse 32 or not. You said, wait a minute, this is, this is a type of tough love. You're talking about being chastened by the Lord? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Think back to the beginning of this lesson whenever Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You think he didn't measure himself up and was chastised by the Lord? He says, if I do this... In Romans chapter 7, when he hated it, when he sinned, what if he never got, wouldn't, had not got forgiveness of those sins and was guilty of that on that day? He couldn't honestly write in these scriptures to say, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He couldn't write that, could he? He couldn't truthfully write, for me to die is gain. If he'd been guilty of sin, he would have said, for me to die is terrifying. Think about it. When we're chastened by the Lord, when we look at ourselves in that reflection, and we find someone who is 
weak. We find someone who is poor. And we're looking back someone who is not pleasing in the eyes of God. I'm not talking about your hair out of whack or your, or your clothes all out of sorts or your or you mismatch. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your spiritual self. When we do some self-examination, who do we look like? If we don't look like Christ, we're in a sad, pitiful state. In knowing where that sad, pitiful state lands you, that's where that chastening comes. To say, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in that lake of fire. I don't want nothing to do with Satan and all the false prophets, the beast, death, Hades, and all those names not written in the book of life. I, won't do, I do not want to be there. So we're going to correct ourselves. We're going to look into that mirror. We're going to straighten our tie. We're going to comb our hair. And we're going to put our makeup on straight, right? Ladies, that was more designed for you, not, not me, right? <laughs> I see them smiles. It's okay. But we need to be very focused on one thing here. When we look like Christ, that's pleasing to God. That's like when you're getting ready for this morning's uh, worship, so even this evening's worship. So that's the reason why I said you probably looked in it twice, right? This morning you look in your mirror and say, all right, now I'm ready to go. I'm presentable. The reason why I say remember pre uh, presentable a little bit later, a little earlier ago, and now it's later. <laughs> Are we presentable to God? Is your spiritual reflection presentable to God? Because if we're chastened by the Lord, we're going to know the result of not looking like Christ. And we're going to get it changed. We're going to get it right. We're going to straighten ourselves out so we are presentable to God. On Judgment Day, to hear those wonderful words, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. He also says, enter into the joys of your Lord. That mansion. That wonderful place. Where there's no pain, no suffering. Doesn't that sound worth fixing yourself in the mirror? Now I know there are a lot of folks out there who just don't care. I know there's some folks, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ones who are actually a child of God. Looking at your reflection to say, I'm out of sorts. I need to get right. But you may not be a child of God. And you're looking at yourself and you're measuring yourself up according to his word and says, well, I need to get right in the first place. Baptism's where it's at. And you're looking within yourself and you don't have Christ. Judgment can't even begin until you are a child of God. So tonight, I want us to look at ourselves. Are we God's children? Are we walking according to the Spirit? If, As we self-examine ourselves today, tomorrow, and the next, and the next, and the next. Until we pass from this earth, I want us to be, remember one thing. Paul thought it gained and worthy and worthwhile to be that child of God. To put his, put his and our best foot forward in the service of God. Have you not put your best foot forward? Have you looked into that reflection? Are you looking into that reflection right now? Recognizing, well, I need some correction. That is to say this. I have sinned and I have fallen short and I need some correcting. 
I need to get right in the eyes of God. We're about to stand and sing the song of invitation. I encourage this one thing. Do not walk out of these doors here in this audience being lost. There's no reason for it. Do you need prayers of the church? Do you need lifting up? Why don't we get right in the eyes as we stand and sing the song of invitation?